Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. There are many claims and questions around how and why the pyramids were built. Were they just tombs for kings, or were they used to generate electricity? Follow me down the rabbit hole to learn about the Pyramids of Giza. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the rabbit hole. I'm your host, Danny, and today we are talking about the Pyramids of Giza. So I've been kind of interested in this one for a little while. I haven't actually done it yet until today, but it kind of ties in with the Tartarian mud flood, also the Anunnaki. So we're going to tie into both of them in the end, in the end, but before we get there, we have a lot that goes into this. So buckle up because it's going to be quite the episode and I'm really excited about it. Um, so let's start with some history. Of course, we always start with history. So the Great Pyramids of Giza are located on a plateau on the west bank of the Nile River just outside of Cairo, like just on the outskirts of Cairo, which Cairo is the capital of Egypt. If you don't know that, there you go. A little tidbit for you. So we are going to start with the Great Pyramid, which is the oldest and the largest of the three pyramids. And it is the only surviving structure of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So I think there's like a new seven wonders of the world, but this like the seven wonders of the ancient world. So this pyramid was built for the Pharaoh Khufu. He was the second of the eight kings of the fourth dynasty. So, and just for reference, pyramids were primarily built during the late third dynasty and continued until about the sixth dynasty ish. If you believe this history that is being told to you by like history channel or like, you know, regular history, we're going to get into an alternate history later, but this is the history that we are taught and what everybody is taught to know now. Right. So that's what I'm, I'm going over the history that is taught in the world. We're going to go over alternate history later. Egypt was experiencing like a lot of wealth and power during this time, like when the pyramids were being built. So that's why, ideally, that's why they were built. 
Um, the Pharaoh Khufu reigned for 23 years from about 2,589 to 2,566 BC. Although little is known about his time as a ruler besides the grandiose pyramid that he built. That's basically it. This pyramid, the base sides are about 755.75 feet. And the original height was about 481.4 feet tall. It's a little bit lower now because it's like lost some height. It's lost the tip. It's crumbled a little bit. It's old. So approximately 2.3 million blocks of stone averaging 2.2 tons each were used to build this great pyramid. That's a, that's, that's a heavy pyramid. At first, it was believed that about 100,000 men were used to build this, but now they believe it's more like 20,000 men. And this is going to be the pyramid that we kind of focus the most on, the Great Pyramid. Um, the other two pyramids of the Pyramids of Giza matter, not really for this conspiracy we will get into the Sphinx a smidge, but not like a whole lot. Um, and then like, um, there's a lot of pyramids built in Egypt. This one's the most important and we'll get into it. The middle pyramid was built for Khufu's son, Pharaoh Khafre. And this was the second tallest pyramid. And it has like a unique feature because built inside the pyramid complex is the Great Sphinx. It is a guardian statue carved out of limestone with the head of a man and the body of a lion. The Sphinx is about 240 feet long and 66 feet high. And the nose is missing from the Sphinx and it has never been found. And nobody really knows what happened to it. So that's interesting because I tried to look it up. I was like, you know, like when did the nose go missing? What happened? Some people say that like Napoleon... And his army did it. But then there's like pictures predating Napoleon's army. And the Sphinx didn't have a nose then either. So it's it's a mystery. Nobody knows. And I mean the fact that they've never found it. I guess they, like it could have been destroyed, right? It's just limestone. But I don't know. Like nobody really knows what happened to it. The smallest and most southern of the Great Pyramids of Giza was built for Khafre's son, Minkari. Again, guys, I'm, I do my best with these names. If they're right, they're right. And if they're wrong, well, they're Egyptian. And I'm American. Very American, if you can't tell. So this pyramid stands only 218 feet tall. That's all we have about that pyramid. I mean, that's it. So the pyramids were built as tombs for the pharaohs. That's what we know. We know that they are. Mm, that's not what we know. That's what we have been sold our entire lives is that the pyramids were built as tombs for the pharaohs. It is believed that the pharaohs were chosen by the gods and were somewhere between, like, the human and the divine. So they weren't, like, actually gods, although they definitely treated them like gods on Earth, but they also weren't, like, 100% human either, which is what the Egyptians believed. The spirit of the king remained with the body after death, so they had to be mummified to properly care for the spirit, or their ka is what it's called. The pharaohs would also be buried with like everything they might need for the afterlife, to include like gold vessels, food, furniture, you know, things that you would need to live, because the afterlife doesn't provide that for you. I don't know. I don't know much about Egyptian like religion. Anyway, 
This is why tomb robbing was such a problem because people wanted to go and take the gold that was left behind like for the, with the pharaohs, right? Or their furniture or whatever they could find. In fact, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, it was actually really popular to like buy a mummy and then put it on display in your house like as a show of like wealth. And so people would buy them like all over Europe. People were buying them in America. People were buying them like a lot of mummies <laughs> came like two places this way. So when you're thinking about like where did the mummies come from, the ones in your museums, they might have just come because somebody decided some rich guy back in the early 1900s was like, ah, I want a mummy for display. They even went as far as to like strip the limestone coverings from the pyramids, which we're going to get into that too. Um, and that caused the pyramids to lose height. Uh, that's what they say. But I think that they could have lost height for another reason. And we'll get in, uh, again, we're going to get into it. I promise. So let's get into the theory. So what if instead of being built as a tomb for the pharaohs, these great pyramids had a different purpose, specifically the great pyramid. So the biggest one, the one that you're thinking about, like in your head, the biggest one built for Pharaoh Khufu. What if it wasn't built for him at all? Like, I mean, maybe he had it built. I don't know if he had it built. I'm not going to default to that because it could have been anybody, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't seem... It doesn't make a lot of sense because this Great Pyramid doesn't seem like any type of tomb that you would see. There are no hieroglyphics. There's no artifacts, no elaborate wall art. There's no nothing. They're, like All the things that you see in other pyramids, which tell us about them and the people buried in them, Like none of that is in the Great Pyramid. And this might be the reason why we don't know about like much about Pharaoh Khufu is because there's just not, like, not much written in his tomb. But I don't think it my opinion, I don't think he was ever buried there. There is a granite sarcophagus, although there's no evidence that Khufu was ever there or anybody was ever in that sarcophagus at all. In fact, there have never been mummies found in any pyramids ever. Never ever. Not one pyramid. If they walked in, they're like, yep, there's a mummy. This was a tomb. I don't know where they came up with that idea that like these were built as like giant tombs for the kings because all the mummies that have been found or that we know of, they've been found in tombs, not pyramids, either near pyramids or like around them, but never like in a pyramid, like in a tomb, which makes sense. You would put a mummy in a tomb. I thought that was really interesting because our entire lives, they're like, yep, pyramids are tombs for kings. And now they're like, well, yes, they still are. We're not backtracking on that. We just actually like have not found a mummy or like a king of any sort in any pyramid ever. So that's interesting. Really blew my mind when I, and I was like, that can't be right. I did research. It's right. I did it. I, I looked into it. There's, there's no, no. So whether they have been re re like removed or were never there, I can't answer that question because like 
mummies were really popular to buy. <laughs> and so they all these tombs were raided a lot back in the day. I don't know. So I went as far as to like call my local museum because I was like, this can't be, this can't be right. This can't be true because I've seen the mummies there. I've gone to the museum a million times and I've seen the mummies. So I was like, hey, can you guys like tell me where your mummies came from? And basically all I can say is that they came from somebody, but they are more likely found in a tomb than a pyramid. They don't know exactly where they were found because like, because of the way like they were bought to be on display in somebody's house. And then they were given to a museum, which then gave them to our local museum here, like on, on a permanent loan. And that's how they ended up here. So they don't actually know where they came from. Like what, if they were in a tomb or a pyramid. And I asked, I asked the question. I was like, I mean, this is going to sound silly. Cause I know that both the mummies we have here are females, but they're like, there are three smaller pyramids just outside the great pyramids that were built for Queens. And there is a queen's chamber in the Great Pyramid. There's a king's chamber and a queen's chamber. So if one of these female mummies that we have at our local museum was a queen, she could have easily been in a pyramid. Like, that's totally reasonable to think. Anyway, back to these pyramids. So ancient Egyptians, as I said earlier, considered the pharaohs godlike. In a lot of places it says they considered them to be gods, but... I'm not going to go that far because I don't know exactly. So I'd rather be godlike than exactly a god. But the Great Pyramid doesn't seem to be set up for a god. So if you're if you're considering these like to be walking like god creatures on earth and that's who's ruling your country, wouldn't you make their extravagant gigantic pyramid extravagant and like beautiful on the inside as well? Like it has, like, the, the pyramids, they have super small chambers. They're not huge. They're not extravagant. They're really narrow shafts. Again, no markings. If this was a god, like, the chambers would be marked all up. Be like, this was a fantastic king or whoever. But there's none of that. And whoever built these pyramids did a phenomenal job. Like, a disgustingly beautiful job. Because th they built this thing within one fifteenth of a degree of true north. So we're going to get into all the measurements, all the different things, because it's, it's amazing how they did this. I'm not saying that the ancient Egyptians did not build it. I'm just saying that maybe if they did not build it, whoever did build it did a, did a phenomenal job. The base is leveled within three quarters of an inch. Although somewhere, actually somewhere else I saw that it was within like five eighths of an inch. So give or take an eighth of an inch. Um, and each side is within two inches of the others because a pyramid, you know, like the sides, the base sides would all be exactly the same because it's a square. Well, they're within two inches of each other. And when you're talking about 755 feet, like that, I mean, that's, that's amazing within two inches. This pyramid is 99.98% accurate when you look at the, those couple things. That means, like, today, we couldn't do that without a laser level, like, modern technology. Like, it's damn near perfect. It's it's beautiful. But, like, it gets it gets even more amazing. It's, it, it's crazy. The architecture that went into this is phenomenal. 
I feel like I could have been an architect in another life. I'm like uh, blown away. So during the equinoxes, you can see that the pyramid does not have four sides, which a pyramid would, right? It has eight sides because each side is slightly concaved in and each of those each of those sides are perfect. Don't get me like they're all beautiful and great and perfect. The reason that you can't see that like any other time is that during the equinox, you can see it in the shadows, but not like throughout the year. You can also kind of see it when you look straight down, like when you have an aerial picture of the pyramid and you're looking straight down, you can kind of see it. It's easier to see when you're like during an equinox, when you're looking at the shadows that each of the side is slightly concaved. Um, and although this isn't the first structure that we've talked about that is special during the equinoxes, like so many structures around the world emphasize the equinox, which like made me wonder like what's so significant about the equinox, right? I guess like I, I, I guess I didn't know much about an equinox. So I'm just assuming that either you do or you, I don't know, you do or you don't. But for those of you out there that are like me, I looked it up for us. So during the equinox, neither the northern or the southern hemisphere is closer to the sun. So everywhere on Earth experiences the same exact amount of daylight and darkness. So you get 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of darkness during the equinoxes, which happen in the springtime and in the fall time, because you get the summer solstice and the winter solstice, which is the longest day and the shortest day of the year in the summer and the, in the summer, summer and the winter. But they're different... I mean, they're the same, but they're different for the hemispheres, right? So our summer solstice is the southern hemisphere's winter solstice. Okay, but during the equinoxes, everybody on Earth gets 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of darkness. So whoever built the pyramids knew that, but they also must have known like the size of the Earth because shit's about to get weird. During the equinox, when you get 12 hours of daylight, you get 43,200 seconds of daylight. That's an important number. So if you take the height of the pyramid and multiply it by the 43,200, you get 3,938.685 miles. That's within 11 miles of the polar radius of the planet. 99.7% accurate. Then you take the base of the perimeter of the pyramid, you multiply it by the 43,200, you get 24,734.94 miles. That's the circumference of the earth at the equator within 166.5 miles, which sounds like a lot, but it's 99.3% accurate. Like damn near perfect again. We're not dropping below the 99% tile here like they were a students so i don't know like if the egyptians were just like really smart or was it somebody else that built these and the egyptians just like came along and they're like yep we did it could this pyramid have been built for electricity i'm so glad you asked that question because i feel like that's the main question we keep like you know we're harping on the architecture cool 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 but why was it built? If it wasn't built for a, uh, for a tomb, like what was it built for? The layout of the pyramid is a is key factor in this. So when you enter the pyramid, 
like from the actual entrance right now, when you go to the pyramids, you're actually entering from a different entrance with, which I think is like the looters entrance. But when you enter the pyramid from like the actual, like the entrance it's supposed to be entered from, you start descending a passageway. Then you come to a fork at this fork. You can either continue to descend and you'll end up in the subterranean chamber or you can take the other passageway. You begin to ascend into the Grand Gallery. From the Grand Gallery, you can take a horizontal passageway to the Queen's Chambers, or you can continue ascending into the King's Chambers. And there's a very different layout when you look at the King and Queen's Chambers. And normally you would think, oh yeah, it totally makes sense because you know one's a King and one's a Queen. But I think there's more to it than just one's a king and one's a queen. So let's get into it. And all these chambers and passageways, they're going to be really important. I didn't just like lay out this pyramid for you, like the the inside of the pyramid for like shits and giggles. Like th- it's actually important. And I will post a picture of like the inside layout because it's, it's so important. I'll post that on Instagram. So if you're listening to this right now, go to Instagram. You can see the picture of like the inside and like where all the chambers are in the pyramid, it's going to make a lot more sense when you're looking at it. I'm doing a podcast, which is all just like audio. So I'm going to do my best to explain it for you. But if you want a visual, head to Instagram. So the King's Chambers, the, the King's Chambers only contain a sarcophagus made of granite. But above the King's Chambers are relieving chambers. And there are five relieving chambers. The initial idea behind that was that these were built to protect the king's chamber from roof collapses. Which, when you think about just how heavy the pyramid is, totally makes sense. Surface level makes sense. The queen's chambers doesn't have any relieving chambers above it. The thing that's weird here, though, is that the queen's chambers are actually like lower in the pyramid than the king's chambers meaning more weight is sitting on top of the queen's chambers but they didn't put any relieving chambers on top of that one and there's plenty of room in the pyramid to do so seems a little odd but okay both the king and queen's chambers have air shafts running in like a v shape it's not perfect v like v-esque shape towards the exterior of the pyramid and the queen's air shafts don't quite reach not that they don't quite reach i think they do go all the way to the exterior but they have been capped off which will make sense like in just a minute when we get there so and then you have the subterranean chamber which is also known as the pit it's about 89 feet below the base of the pyramid and was cut out of the bedrock but again the subterranean chamber doesn't have any relieving chambers above it either Just like living down there below the earth's surface, below the pyramid. I mean, I don't know why the king's chambers needed the relieving chambers, but there might be a reason. So when the pyramids were built, they were covered in white limestone. This white limestone came from like 500 miles away. Like, I don't know how they got it all the way to Cairo to build these it wasn't Cairo then, but you know, like all the way to build these pyramids, especially when they're not, they don't have any modern technology. It's not like they're running trucks 500 miles to bring this limestone. Nope. 
And when I say covered, I mean like you couldn't even see a seam in the pyramid. Like it looked perfect. Like it was all one piece. But this limestone that they brought in to cover the pyramid was special because it had no magnesium in it. And limestone is a fantastic insulator. It's a beautiful insulator. Inside the pyramid, most of the pyramid is covered in rose granite, which is super high in quartz. Like, at, I saw some statistics, like 85% of the inside was like had quartz. Rose granite is not found in this part of the world either. So that too had to be brought in from wherever they found it because it had to be this special granite that had this quartz in it. But when quartz is moved, like, like when you agitate quartz or you like apply pressure to quartz, it has some really, really cool properties. I'm not saying like when it's moved, like, I mean, yes, physically, but I don't mean like from point A to point B. I just mean like, like it's agitated or pressure is applied. Like it's moved in that sense. These really cool qualities of quartz, one of which is called piezoelectricity is really important. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Our most precious asset is our time. So many people wish they had more of it. What would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? But no matter how short you are on time, you will always find a way to fit in things that are important to you. Therapy can help you identify the most important things in your life and prioritize them. Life can get away from you, and it can be hard to take back the reins. Whether you need to learn how to set boundaries, become the best version of yourself, or even break generational curses, therapy can help. The best thing about BetterHelp is that it's totally online, so you can fit it into your busy schedule. We don't have an extra hour in our day. So not having to commute to therapy makes it so much more convenient. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist after filling out a brief questionnaire. And what's great is if you don't mesh well with that therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional fee. You don't have time to waste. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com rabbit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot rabbit. So one side of the quartz will have a positive charge while the other has a negative charge. Excuse my dog out there. So if you connect the two sides, you get an electrical circuit. How neat is that? So basically, when applied with enough pressure, quartz can be a battery. That's kind of cool. But once the pressure is gone or like the quartz stops moving, it just returns back to neutral. And it's totally fine. It's like just like another rock. So, kind of cool. I didn't know that about quartz. I'm learning so many things in this episode. So, the chambers and shafts were built of this granite that had a lot of quartz in it. And that's really important. I feel like I keep saying these things like I'm building up, but I, I, I just can't get all the information out fast enough. So, 
Christopher Dunn, who has studied ancient Egyptian engineering and has like 50 plus years of aerospace, like background. He believes that electricity was for sure in the pyramids. And it's not just like a theory. He believes 100% that it's true. So the process is as follows. This is what Christopher Dunn, he believes in his whole heart. And he talks about it all the time. That this is how it worked. There are aquifers below the pyramid. Makes sense. So there's water that moves through the cavities and the sound waves are created. The frequencies of these waves resonates with the earth's vibration. And as these waves moved through the pyramid, a process is used to magnify focus and convert the sound into energy. It sounds real. It's really cool. I don't know. Like this is like crazy science fiction things. So the queen's chamber was used for a chemical reaction that created hydrogen. We know this because in the air shafts, there's traces of chemical reactions. Imagine that. So the northern shaft has traces of hydrochloric acid, and the southern shaft has traces of zinc chloride. And when these two are combined, it creates hydrogen. So they had people, I'm assuming, pour these down, like these two chemicals down each shaft. And then I think that's why they're, they're capped off, is because these chemicals would go down these shafts. Cap them off. And then in the queen's chambers, you're getting hydrogen. This gas, the hydrogen gas, would then flow from the queen's chambers through the horizontal passageway into the grand gallery. But of course, the grand gallery is made of this granite, which has a lot of quartz in it. So as the hydrogen builds up and it compresses the granite, it creates basically like electricity. The electricity ionizes the air, which increases conductivity inside the grand gallery were these resonators and these what there's like 27 of them or 28 pairs they're pairs so there i think there's 27 pairs and these resonators would vibrate and emit sounds and the hydrogen atoms would then rearrange themselves and be in harmony with these sound waves this is like really cool so the sound waves would further disrupt the quartz in the granite and create even more electricity because now we have like the pressure from the hydrogen but also the sound waves so you've got a lot of movement and a lot of pressure disrupting the quartz which is causing more and more electricity acoustic engineers have done research into this and know that the gallery resonates at 440 hertz and it also naturally emits an f-sharp chord so if you don't know what an F-sharp chord is, if you have a Mac or you've ever heard like a Mac turn on and you have that like bum sound at the beginning, that's an F-sharp chord. These are said to resonate in harmony with the Earth's natural vibration. And this vibration primarily comes from the tidal energy created from the moon's gravity on our Earth. So it's really cool how it's all kind of like working together. So there is a conspiracy about 440 hertz, that this frequency can control the minds of people, which I haven't covered that, might be an episode in the future. I had a request for next week, so I can't do that one next week, but maybe in two weeks I'll have, I'll have this one done. So anyway, in the early 19, 1900s, the Rockefeller Foundation 
had the standard tuning pitch set or like changed to 440 hertz. And it was actually quite the, quite the like controversy because a lot of people thought that it should be 432 hertz, but the Rockefeller Foundation got involved. And of course, every time, like we know that nothing good ever comes like when the Rockefellers get involved. So 440 hertz is what it's set at now as like our tuning standard. Well, if the conspiracy is true, which again, I haven't covered yet on this episode or on the show, but I will cover it. And this tuning, standard tuning pitch controls minds. Then maybe that could be like why music affects us so much. But anyway, that's a whole nother episode, not here. So you have this grand gallery that's resonating at 440 Hertz at an F sharp like chord. At the top of the Grand Gallery is a small shaft that leads to the King's Chamber. The opening of the shaft is 8.4 by 4.8 inches, and it's the perfect size to allow hydrogen microwaves to pass through it. The vibrations energized and converted the hydrogen gas into microwaves. So you have so much going on in this Grand Gallery all at the same time because the sound is affecting the hydrogen the hydrogen and the sound are both affecting the quartz so you've got lots of different things going on well the king's chamber also resonates at 440 hertz and an f sharp chord there's something about it there's also evidence that hydrogen was fed down the northern air shaft into the king's chambers and then it like collects the energy that is accumulated in the chamber and directs it out the southern shaft. So all that energy that's been building up and building up, it's now shooting out the southern shaft of the king's chambers. I said earlier that the relieving chambers above the, like there are relieving chambers above the king's chamber. So these relieving chambers are layers of like granite beams, like different beams and they're different size beams in each of these layers. And then there's like a air gap in between. And again, when I post the picture or when, when you go and look at the picture, it'll make sense because you'll literally see like the air gap. You'll see like the different layers of relieving chambers. Well, these beams, these granite beams that are in these relieving chambers, they're all cut at different like heights, but they're smooth cut on all the sides, except for the top, which is rough cut. Christopher Dunn believed that this is how the beams were tuned is because they're different heights. They're different rough cuts and you cut it like you shave down a little bit more, you get a different tune and these relieving chambers or resonance chambers all resonate with an F sharp chord. All of them, all five, as well as the King's chamber and the great, the grand gallery. That was hard to say the King's chamber back to that. It's a Helmholtz resonator. So it has like the same qualities. A Helmholtz resonator is like the same thing as like blowing across the top of a bottle. So when you add more water, take some water away, it changes the tune. Also like a flute or whistling are both Helmholtz resonators. So basically the entire pyramid is a musical device that is helping to create electricity crazy right in 2018 scientists wanted to test the pyramids abilities so 
They used radio waves at different frequencies to see if the pyramid would interact with electromagnetic waves of like a resonant length. The experiments proved that in a resonant state, the pyramid can concentrate electromagnetic energy in the internal chambers that extends below the base of the pyramid, like down into the earth. The resonance in the pyramid can be caused by radio waves between 200 and 600 meters in length, although the closer to 200 meters, the more dramatic the effect was. In 2019, Eric Wilson of the Rolls-Royce Corporation, which I thought was like strange, why is Rolls-Royce looking into this, but whatever, published a paper called Large Scale Thermal Acoustic Generator. And this paper explains how when granite and other rocks are vibrated, electrons will move through the rock and up to the surface. He explained this using like a mountain, which makes sense because you're going to have granite and other rocks in a mountain, but a pyramid would have the same effect. So using this information, we know that the science and music would create a power generating machine. So does this mean that the ancient Egyptians were generating unlimited free energy? And like, how did they disseminate this energy? Well, that's where Nikola Tesla comes in. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Nikola Tesla was not an ancient Egyptian. He wasn't, I promise. He was not. But he can help us explain this phenomenon. So I bet that the Egyptians or... I don't even want to call like I don't even want to say Egyptians. Whoever was using the pyramid to generate power was doing it the same way Nikola Tesla was trying to do it. So Tesla created the Wardenclyffe Tower, or it's also referred to as the Tesla Tower. It's Wardenclyffe Tower because it was built in Wardenclyffe. Um, at the time of the creation of the tower, Tesla had already proven that he could transmit high frequency signals without a wired connection using Tesla coils, which led him to like wanting to wirelessly transmit energy throughout everywhere. Like there's literally like a picture of like a bunch of light bulbs on the ground and his Tesla coil lights up and then it lights up all these light bulbs without them being plugged in. Well, he built this tower on top of an aquifer with copper and iron rods extending down into the water. When the electricity was sent into the tower, it was to be transmitted around the world through the atmosphere, which we know works because lightning, duh. So Tesla's projects, which would have been amazing and were like world changing, they were shut down because, well, it does like it's free energy. So how do you get people to pay for it? And if we know anything about anything, everybody wants their money, everyone wants their cuts. But he envisioned towers around the world that could send and receive energy this way. So now, I like the pyramid is on top of an aquifer. We've already established that. But what about the copper and the iron rods? Well, copper and iron piping was discovered recently. I, I don't know how recently, but more recently in the pyramids as well. Like, piping that is still well intact, in fact. So could this be how they were trying to, you know, generate the energy? But how are you going to receive the energy all around the country when you're just, like, throwing energy up into the atmosphere? Well, they had an answer for that, too. The Egyptians had an answer for everything. 
Egypt has obelisks around the country, around the whole country. These are stone rectangular pillars with a tapered top that forms a pyramid. The obelisks are said to be erected and like to commemorate an individual or like an event and to honor the gods. So they're like erected all over the place and they're, they're erected in very specific spots as well. So the earlier obelisks were only about 10 feet tall, but over time they reached to like being about a hundred feet tall. And these were made from a monolithic stone of red granite and just like with the pyramids, they couldn't just get this stone from anywhere close. They had to get it from a very special quarry all the way down in Oswan, which is about 540 miles south and on the opposite side of the Nile River. So when you're looking at a at a map of this, it doesn't seem like an easy thing to just like get these monolithic stones. And monolithic, that means that, if you don't know, if you don't know what it means, it means that the stone is all one piece. So you have, at first, just these 10 feet obelisks that are all one piece. They do not have seams. It's just one piece of stone up to 100 feet tall of these stones. How are you transmit transporting 100-foot stone? I don't know how big the bases are, but they're not small. I saw a picture. They're not, like, tiny little 100-piece, like, things. They're big. They probably weigh a shit ton. And you're going to transport that across the Nile River and then north 540 miles, give or take a little bit, depending on where the quarry is and where that's just from like random place in Cairo to a random place in Oswan. But the thing is that they know how these stones were carved. And they also, they even, they, they know how they were moved to the location where they were erected. What's not exactly known is how they erected these obelisks. Because in every attempt to try to erect one of these, using ancient Egyptian technology, they failed. They literally can't erect them without modern technology. So I don't know how they're how ancient Egypt figured out to like just throw them up. But what's really cool is that these obelisks, they were widely it's widely believed that they were like lightning rods to absorb energy from the heavens because they were capped with electrum, which is like a, a metal made of gold and silver. And it was the cap of all these obelisks. It's also believed that the great pyramid was capped with this as well. So it was all limestone on the outside of the great pyramid and then capped with his electrum. Again, back to Christopher Dunn. He's got all the answers for this. He believes that the the Great Pyramid generated the power and then distributed it throughout the country, like through the atmosphere, and then it was absorbed via these obelisks, like what Tesla was trying to do so many years after the Egyptians. And it's obvious, like, it's been proven that it, it can happen. It can work. But, I mean... Not, I mean, we, I don't, I don't know. We don't have it. We don't have the technology available. Not for lack of trying. Tesla tried. So, why did they stop producing energy? If they had all this free energy, they were doing all these amazing things. They had like these, this like advanced technology for the time. What happened? You guys ask the, the best questions. So there is evidence that something went very wrong in the pyramid. 
along with traces of the hydrochloric acid in the southern shaft, and um, there are traces of sulfuric acid. And then in the northern shaft, there is zinc chloride, but also ammonium chloride. If you combine sulfuric acid with ammonium chloride, you get an explosion. <laughs> this is why you don't mess with chemicals at home, because you don't know what you're doing. Maybe. But if you start to Google these things, they will probably put you on a list. So ask me to do it, because I'm probably already on a list because of the crazy shit I Google to find answers for this podcast. <laughs> okay, so due to the shape of the structure... Typically an explosion like can be pretty controlled because the pyramid, you can control an explosion on the inside. But in 2001, they discovered scorch marks on the ceiling of the grand gallery above where the resonators would have been. And in the King's chambers, there were cracks that were found in the granite beams and the walls in the King's chambers have been pushed out over an inch. At first it was believed that this caused like by a natural disaster, maybe like a earthquake or something. Even, like, potentially an asteroid, maybe. But that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because, like, the damage was only found where highly compressed, like, heated hydrogen flowed. Like, it wasn't just, it wasn't found all over. It was only found in, like, very certain spots. An earthquake would affect the entire pyramid. It wouldn't just, like, affect the Grand Gallery with scorch marks. Like, how are you going to get scorch marks from a from an earthquake, you know? And also, it takes a lot of pressure to move tons and tons of granite out an inch. Imagine how much granite you're pushing out an inch. That's, that's a lot. So, here are some issues that we come across. The Egyptians recorded their history super well. They were actually really good about it, which is why we know so much about them. But the problem is they didn't ever record using electricity, nor has any evidence ever been found that they had electricity. Like, no light bulbs, no nothing that we can, like, point to. Be like, oh, look, yes, it makes all the sense. Some do believe that the pyramids weren't built by the Egyptians, but found. Could this be the Tartarians? Because a lot of that stuff was, like, found, right? Um, or the Anunnaki. I mean, maybe either, either theory could make sense because both were said to have been like races of super, like superior beings that were like technologically advanced. But I don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you believe that they're both the exact same, like the Tartarians and the Anunnaki are the same and that's what you believe. Then, then it all makes sense. However, a lot of evidence points to the Giza complex being built around 13,500 years ago, not 4,500 years ago. So the three pyramids, they line up perfectly with Orion's belt from 13,500 years ago, not 4,500 years ago, which it is, it is assumed that these built, these pyramids were built in conjuncture with the constellations and with i mean with the equinoxes and with you know the constellations the stars that makes sense right if you're gonna go that way sure let's do it let's go all the way the sphinx points due east and thirteen thousand five hundred years ago the constellation that rose in the east on the equinox was leo so you've got a lion 
looking at a Leo constellation. I mean, what like you can't get any more clear than that. As well, the Sphinx shows signs of water erosion, but for the last 400 or 4,500 years, Egypt has been pretty hot and dry. Lots of sun, sand, not too much water. Although, like, you could say, well, the complex is near the Nile River, so maybe the river flooded. Yes, but the flooding from the Nile River wouldn't have caused such extensive, like, water damage that we're actually seeing on the Sphinx. But water rushing at such speeds to cause this type of erosion happened at the end of the last ice age, around 9,700 B.C. You had rapid floods, and they occurred all over the world because the ice age, like the I, like glaciers melted quickly. And maybe this wiped out the civil civilization that was there before the Egyptians. If you think about basically any religion, any story ever that talks about like history of humans, almost every single one of them has this story of a flood, a great flood. There are some speculations and some, some conspiracy theories that the, the flooding from the ice age, like the ice age didn't just melt like over 10 years or over a hundred years or whatever that it melted like in a day and caused like significant flooding, which would also be the flooding that wiped out like, um, Atlantis, the lost city of Atlantis and all these other lost cities and lost civilizations, the flood wiped them out. So whoever built the pyramids could have been wiped out from this flood, which would also explain the erosion from the water on the Sphinx. It all makes sense if you if you put it together in that way. But why can't both things be true is my question. So why can't the Great Pyramid have been used to generate power, but then later on, if you're believing this, this theory about like, you know, the Egyptians finding it later on, they used it to bury Kings and as like a, a ceremonial place for Kings to be buried. Like both can be true. If the Egyptians did not build the pyramids, but if you're going to believe that the Egyptians built the pyramids, then they probably, I don't know. You could also believe the electricity thing. I don't know. Believe whatever you want to believe. That's not my, that's not on me. That's on you. You do whatever you want. My job is to give you all the information, and that is the information on the pyramids. This was such a fun episode to cover. I feel like I learned so many things. I know my little end cap thing asks you to write a review. Um, I love to read the positive reviews. I have a really hard time to get really down on myself about negative reviews, but I also know that, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. I can't be everybody's cup of tea. I appreciate all of you guys that listen every single week. You guys are phenomenal. And my podcast is starting to really get recognized and really get some um, some traction. So I appreciate all of you guys. Thank you so much for supporting me and um, just being on this journey with me. I greatly appreciate it. Until next week, my friends, stay skeptical and I will see you all then. Hey friends, The Rabbit Hole is an independent podcast with everything you hear done by me, Danny Mercy. I appreciate all of your support. Please rate and review wherever you're listening. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at rabbit.holepodcast. And thank you, Zakar Balaha, for our awesome intro.